This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. An ordained minister has decided to give up God for a year. How the heck do you just up and become atheist after being a pastor? What I'm most worried about right now is figuring out how I can live openly and honestly. I am finally free to be me. I have no idea how to find friends or become a part of a community that's not religious. What does life look like after church, after religion, after God? That's, you know, that's, that's it in a nutshell. This is the Life After God podcast, a conversation on the space between belief and unbelief and beyond with your host, Ryan Bell. Hey everyone, Ryan Bell here with the Life After God podcast. This is a very special episode. I think I say that every single time, but this one is extra, extra special uh, because today, the day that we're recording this, Sunday, August 21st, is the one-year anniversary of the Life After God podcast. And I, it kind of snuck up on me. I actually didn't realize that it was the one-year anniversary until maybe three weeks ago, and I thought, you know... It seems like I've been doing this for about a year, and sure enough, uh, here it is. And before I even realized that it was the one-year anniversary coming up, I had already made plans to come up to Idaho and visit with Brian Peck and go to his family cabin, where we are right now. And in just a minute, I'm going to bring uh, Brian in on this, and we're going to have a conversation about all sorts of cool stuff, and we'll see where that goes. But this is super great. I mean, this is the one-year mark of this podcast, and it's grown remarkably uh, over the last year. And we're going to talk a little bit about that growth and how it looks and, and kind of just pat everyone on the back for their contribution. And that just means all of us, everyone, even you listening right now, you've made a huge contribution to this show and getting it out to your friends and listening to it. I mean, if you didn't listen to it, there'd be absolutely no point in me doing this. And so thank you for being a listener and sharing it when it's possible for you to do that. And uh, it's just great, great to have you on board. So thank you so much and celebrate with us this one-year anniversary. Um, just before we get into this conversation, I want to remind you of a couple of things that are happening this coming week. It's been a, a kind of a packed two weeks. I'm, I'm as I said, in Idaho right now uh, on, the, on the lake shore of this beautiful lake where uh, Brian's cabin is. And uh, this coming weekend, I'm going to be doing two things back-to-back. So Saturday is this conversation that I've been talking about with apologist uh, Sean McDowell, moderated by Justin Brierley of Unbelievable Radio from the UK. So we're going to be gathering at a church in Northridge up in the valley outside of Los Angeles, and uh, I have no idea how that's going to go. We will find out, and I will be sure to fill you in, and there will be a recording of that available at some point on Unbelievable's uh, podcast channel. But a few people are coming down, one person that's a podcast listener. I don't want to call you out by name, but thanks for coming down from Fresno this weekend. And Jeff Straka, who's been a, a tremendous supporter of me personally and the podcast and everything we do at Life After God. He's one of our advisors. Uh, is flying in from Atlanta and spending the weekend uh, here in Los Angeles and uh, joining me for that conversation. So it's going to be going to be great to have a couple of uh, uh, fans and friends with me to kind of give me a little moral support because I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Then the very next morning, we're going to drive down to San Diego. I'm speaking at the Sunday Assembly in San Diego. This will be my second chance to uh, speak there. They're an amazing group of people. Uh, Connor Robinson, who you heard from a couple of episodes ago on the show, it has moved to San Diego, and he's actually uh, going to give a little intro, uh, talk a little bit about what he's been doing with the Humanist Service Corps in that same uh, Sunday Assembly service. So it'll be fun to see him. And if any of you are in the San Diego area... And I would love to, to hang out with you uh, afterwards. I'll probably uh, visit a brewery or two while I'm down there. So uh, if you want to hang out and uh, come and hear what I have to say, even though I don't know yet exactly what I'm going to say. I mean, I have a general idea of what I'm going to say, but I haven't written it out yet. If you want to come check it out, 
uh, please do. We'd love to I'd love to see you in San Diego. And Jeff's going to be with me as well. So good stuff. And uh, looking forward to uh, getting through this next week and seeing what it, it has in store. So today, uh, I'm here, as I said, with Brian. And Brian and I have gotten to know each other over the last year. Um, it was shortly after I started this podcast that um, a meme arrived in my Facebook inbox. And uh, it was from somebody I'd never met before or heard of before. And he said, I made this from your last episode, and it was really great. And if you'd like, you can just use it and share it however you like. And I was like, that's cool. And then the next week, there was another one showed up in my inbox. And I was like, well, that's really nice. And they're nicely done. And I'm like, this is great. I mean, I couldn't have asked for, for more. So a few, a few weeks goes by, and, and Brian says, um, be, I'd be happy to do this for you kind of regularly if you want. And uh, I said, okay. Uh, that sounds fantastic. And before too long, uh, one thing leads to another. And Brian has been for the last, I don't know, 10, 11 months, just running the social media aspect of of Life After God, building up our um, our Facebook presence and um, building our uh, our brand identity a little bit and getting the message out to to more and more people. I can't remember where we stood in terms of page likes on our Facebook page when you started, but it's about 9,200, a little over 9,200 now. So Brian's done fantastic work, even though that's not his primary life work. And we're going to talk about that too in just a minute, but, but Brian's been an invaluable resource and a good friend. There have been many times when um, he's been uh, a listening ear to me when things have gotten rough in my, both in my personal life and, and work life. And so Brian's been a great friend and, and, and surprisingly a, a friend that I had never met until two days ago. So that's kind of the one, one of the wonders of, of social media. Uh, you can really feel like you get to know someone quite well before you actually meet them in person. And so, Brian, thanks for having us here at the cabin, and thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's been really, really exciting uh, getting to know you, Ryan, and I've been a big fan of your work since I kind of followed you, not real closely, but fairly closely during your um, year without God. And um, I just really appreciate your thoughtful um, approach. It's not the typical angry atheist stereotype that we hear a lot so much about. And um, I just really like how you create the space for people to explore um, their questions. And I've just been I've just been a real big fan of yours and really enjoy um, the, the work that you're doing. Well, I, yeah, thank you so much. And I, it just comes, I guess, a little bit naturally to me, having been a pastor for so long and just being curious about people's stories and, and really wanting to uh, you know, reflect on that a bit more. And it's nice to find a, a kindred spirit in that work. So, you know, I've mentioned where we are, but tell us a little bit more about where we're at here to this weekend and, and kind of how that came about. Yeah. So we are in Donnelly, Idaho, um, at my wife's grandparents' cabin on the lake. And um, it's not a fancy lodge. It's just a, a humble cabin, but the, the, the scenery is amazing. The water is beautiful. Uh, the mountains surround us. And uh, it's just kind of, it's a place where I love to come to um, just reconnect um, and, and kind of, it's a grounding place for me. Um, so I'm really excited that you're able to experience that with me here. Um, we've been just having a great time, just so much conversation that it would be cool if the uh, uh, podcast would be running, um, you know, as we we're just, you know, chatting around the uh, the cabin here this weekend. Well, it's, it's, I mean, I live in Los Angeles as everyone knows, and it's just, um, a wonderful, wonderful city that I love, but it's just been so tranquil here, yeah. you know, just to get up and look out my window where I'm staying and see the lake and hear birds and squirrels fighting yeah. in the trees and, and 40 degrees at night. You can feel cold for a little bit. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been cold in, I cannot remember how long. Yeah. And it was great to wake up and just feel a little chilly this morning. Yeah. And you've been cooking for us. Oh, yeah. That's actually something I really enjoy doing. So there was a point in my life where I um, had thought about going back to grad school for social work or counseling, or I thought I might just take the plunge and go to culinary school. And so, uh, so that's, that's been a passion of mine for a while, and I've um, really enjoyed uh, cooking. So I actually did go back to grad school, and um, I'm now a clinical social worker. And my practice focuses primarily on, on individuals um, suffering with depression and, and anxiety. And, um, and, and as I've been working with people, I've discovered there's a lot of individuals struggling with 
kind of the spiritual aspects um, of their life as well. And I've, I've worked with some um, individuals who were, were closeted, um, were also in a very religious families. And I just, I, you know, notice that struggle. I just really have a heart for helping people just live a life that they want to live and, and to somehow not hold so tightly to uh, the, the religious beliefs of their, of their childhood. So when you heard about Life After God, which was really just a brainstorm that I kind of ran with, and I do, you know, in, in my life, I've done a lot of that where I, I have this idea and I just sort of float it out there yeah. to the world and see if it sticks. And if it does, then great. And if not, then, you know, readjust and whatever. But you felt a little resonance with that, kind of with your oh, same yeah. concern about helping people make this transition. Right. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm really big on, on, you know, really being present in the, in the, in the moment. And I find that for me, at least religion served as a way of, of not really having to be present with suffering. There was always a, I'll pray for you, or God's going to solve this, or it's going to all make sense in the end. And there was just something that was very avoidant about that. Um, and so it was like, there's this life that you have, and we have this opportunity to live it fully. And, and yet when we move into this kind of avoidant space, um, there's just something we're missing there. And so, so I find in my work, in my clinical work, a lot of my work is focused on helping people kind of come into the moment and not, um, and not avoid discomfort, you know, find ways to connect with what matters to them while experiencing whatever shows up. And so when I, when I realized like, oh, like there's this light bulb moment where, like that's what religion often does. I'm not saying it always does that. And and for me, I if religion works for you, great. You know, rock on. I'm totally supportive of of you know whatever your belief system is. Um, but if it's not working for you, and if there's this kind of avoidant aspect to it, um, it's definitely worth kind of creating some space and exploring that. And so, um, yes, yeah, certainly the work that you're doing, where it's really focused on that space, uh, just so valuable. Well, it's it's been rewarding over this last year, and it's, you know, not everything that I had set out to do from the beginning a year ago has unfolded as quickly and efficiently as I had hoped. In, in fact, the podcast wasn't even, in my mind, the main thing that I really wanted to do. I mean, the, the thing I really wanted to do was provide a type of coaching services to people who are going through transition and walk with, which is really the only like metaphor I can think of, because I don't know that I can... I can help someone in that direct sense of that we usually think of helping. Like if you're lifting something heavy and I offer to lift some of it with you or something like that, but I can at least walk with someone through that process and be a listening ear. And the way that came about for me was that during year without God in 2014, there were so many people who just emailed me and said, Hey, would you have a minute for a conversation? Mm, and yeah. within reason, as much as I could, I said, sure, you know, like send me your phone number or let's get on Skype or whatever. And it was just a one-off deal. But I found that people felt so alone in yeah. their experience because by definition, they can't really talk to their pastor or priest about their, their concern because that person has a vested interest in trying to steer them back to the faith. They probably can't talk. Well, in many cases, they can't talk to their partner, mm -hmm. their, their sure. life partner about it because they may have different views and that could be awkward. And their close friends, I mean, so many people are just completely isolated in that. And so even just to talk to a total stranger, someone like me, provided a little bit of a release for people. Right. And then I thought, well, maybe that's something that's needed. You know, yeah. Maybe that's not being done. And I haven't been able to do as much of, of that as I have wanted to do. And, um, and then, you know, when you first introduced yourself to me and started helping out, it was primarily with these, with this social media aspect, but that's not even the main thing you do. I mean, right. you're a, you're a therapist. You've been doing this for how long? Uh, about five years now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, especially, you know, and I, I don't know if I've ever said this, uh, publicly, but, um, for the last probably five or six years, I've, uh, had a, a, a you know, a, a little struggle with anxiety myself sure. and it started to come around when I was pastoring and toward the end of my pastoral career, there was just so much um, stress in my life that um, that I started seeking some help around issues of depression and anxiety for myself. And so it's it feels really serendipitous. I would have said it was like a God thing, yeah. you know, before, <laughs> but very serendipitous that you came along into my life and uh, at the time that you did with both these kinds of skills that you have. And one of the things we've been talking a lot about here this weekend is how do we do better this coming year with this coaching uh, aspect of Life After God? I mean, the podcast will continue, of course, but how can we 
really be more organized and intentional and structured about being able to offer that kind of service to people. And I, you know, why don't you just, you know, share with us what you're thinking about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a lot of just so much potential and um, there's a lot of, you know, hurdles to overcome as well. It's hard to find individuals who are um, questioning their faith um, and going through that transition when, when it's really difficult to be public about that. And so it's kind of a needle in a haystack um, situation here. Just where, trying to find yeah, people. Yeah, just in, to make that connection, to have them find life after God sure. or vice versa. Yeah. And so I think that's probably going to be a big challenge. And, and I hope that um, as listeners, you'll um, reach out to your friends who, who might be questioning or struggling and, and get the word out as much as you're comfortable doing. Uh, we've been talking a lot about how can we create a coaching structure that will meet people where they're at, um, offering some different options, whether it's online and then also kind of one-on-one video Skype um, groups. Uh, we're looking at creating kind of like a curriculum maybe, but loosely um, mm-hmm. create space. And it's, it's, it's kind of a interesting way of thinking about that, but really it's, it's just allowing them to process their own questions in, in a safe and supportive environment. And uh, it's just really crucial to, to have that, to, to take a step away from uh, what feels maybe constricting and, and to um, just to have the freedom to explore. And so we're, we're looking for, for ways of doing that. And I'm really excited about the, the potential there. Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of opportunities in next year. One of the things we've been talking about this weekend and that actually you and I have been corresponding about for six months or more is sort of the philosophy or the kind of rubric that we want to use right. for helping people. Um, because it's one thing to say, oh, we're going to offer coaching. And then someone calls you on the phone. You're like, hi, so what's going on today? And then you're just like, what do I say now? You know, right. what do I, you know, it's not, there's more to it than just listening to someone tell their story. There's actually some things that we can do to help people, um, including help that I've received, uh, actually process things. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, evidence-based practices that we can incorporate into the coaching practice. I, you know, I think at the, at the end of the day, we're not necessarily looking to have a, a theological debate or or solve uh, one's um, deconversion uh, dilemma with with um, you know philosophy or, or the, theology. Even though that, that can be important and definitely a piece of that, but we want to help people find a way to kind of diffuse from that um, experience that they've had with religion, to, to take a step away from that, to create some distance between themselves and, and, and their own thoughts um, that, that have, have been programmed. And so um, to not take our thoughts so seriously, to not take our, our emotions so seriously, our, our feelings so seriously, um, you know, it, it does allow for us to really think about what's important to me in life. How do I want to live my life? You know, what kind of person do I want to be in the world? Um, and that's, that's far more interesting to me than uh, right. whether or not, uh, even, even the big, quote-unquote, big question of whether or not God exists. You know, like, at the end of the day, I want, I want to live a meaningful life. I want to live a you know, moral life, a life that helps others. And, um, and so, you know, I think if we can focus on, on those types of values and things that are important to people um, without getting kind of caught up in the, I need to find these counter arguments or somehow that's going to free me up because, because I don't know that it does, you know, some, oftentimes we get stuck there and I find a lot of post theists and even atheists that might, might feel more comfortable having these debates because somehow it makes them feel better. I guess I'm not sure what yeah. the motivation is always I mean, for me. It's like a retreat to my head. Like if I get anxious about these heart questions or these emotions and, and I think that Atheism thrives in an intellectual environment because it tends to be about science. It tends to be about text and it tends to be about rationality and and logic, which are super important things that we need to uh, attend to. But our life is lived in relationships, not just with other people, but with ourselves. And that's a it's both a rational domain, but it's also a, a largely emotional domain. Right. And I think when I get anxious about those emotional questions, I retreat to my head and I'm like, but I can read a book, retreat to those logical statements that right. make, help me make sense of my world. And it, and I can kind of like maybe put aside some of these, you know, more emotional things. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is, is, is what we're, what might be useful is to find ways to get out of our head and into our lives, you know, like yeah. there's, there's these lives, like you mentioned, the really relationships that we have, the things that really matter to us, like the things that we want to be doing, um, in, in, in the world. And, and so if we get caught up in our head, um, especially in this deconversion process where there's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of kind of emotions behind that process, um, you know, 
we, we sometimes lose sight of what actually matters to us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, um, I would hate to replace um, kind of a dogma with a, you know, another um, belief system or, or way of being in the world that was so focused on being in your head. Um, or being right, as Kyle right. was saying yeah, last sure. week, you know, like this real um, sort of urgency to have everything figured out and be right about it. And then suddenly my world will fall into place. Right. Because, I mean, I think if, if we focus more on like what actually works, you know, if, if we have more of a pragmatic um, focus in life and we start to like judge things based on whether they work or not, I don't think we're ever, we will ever come to a place of, you know, this is right. It's absolutely right. It's the truth. There's no, um, no denying it. Um, and that would be great. Um, but in some ways, that's just our, our you know, fear of uncertainty that mm-hmm. we're trying to deal with. And um, if we're more focused on, like, what actually works for me? You know, how, how is um, what I'm doing working in my relationships and, and in the areas of life that actually matter to me? I mean, what's really brilliant about that, I think, is that whether you're listening right now and you're a very convinced atheist or if you're still a Christian, say, and listening and have some questions, I mean, I think we all want that. We all want our lives to be meaningful and we want to do things in the world that matter. And whether or not we solve this question of God's existence or the supernatural realm, whether it exists or not, we, we all can uh, pitch in on this question of, you know, how do I, as you so often say, what are, what are my values? How do I yeah. clarify those? And how do I move towards that? And then as we move towards our values, we may encounter things that we need to address, but, but we all can start in a common effort right whether you're a believer or an unbeliever whether you're agnostic or confused or just don't care about the question uh we can all move towards our our values in in kind of a but like a community effort right it's very interesting because we could we could all be like up in our heads all the time right and and we could you know kind of live under this illusion that if we solve these these questions that somehow that translates into better behavior or closer um, you know behavior that's closer to what matters to us and and I'm not convinced that it does you know I'm convinced there's that, some actual evidence that shows, yeah, that I've seen recently yeah. too that shows that it doesn't yeah I mean there's this yeah I think that's just if we're willing to be with uncertainty if we're willing to uh, kind of hold those questions allow them to, to be there and to not um, you know be so holding holding so tightly to our beliefs um, we can shift our focus that, that those questions can, can still be there they'll float around in the background but we can um you know redirect our focus towards like actual things that matter to us mm. and then we can we can do those while feeling um maybe as a as a non-believer we might feel this um guilt that we we were familiar with as a believer we might feel um maybe fear of hell for instance and we can still move through life doing the things day to day that matters that, that actually matter to us and so for me, I think we can work on ways of, of maybe not feeling as much guilt or shame, and we can process through those um, those challenges. Um, but at the end of the day, as long as we can you know, keep moving forward towards those things that matter to us, I, I don't care if I occasionally my brain says, hey, you know, you're going to hell. Like, okay, great. Thanks, brain. You know, yeah. um, that's obviously I heard that when I was young, and that stuck with me, made a real real big impression on me. Uh, there's some some times of the week or some times of the day that I might feel a little bit like, oh, like I should be in church or, you know, I wonder if, you know, if, if I'm okay. And, and I'll just thank my brain for that. Say, hey, you know, that's obviously that's there. I grew up with that. Um, and, and then I, I re- redirect my focus towards like what actually matters to me. What do I want to be doing today? How do I want to connect with my own kids? And, you know, what kind of life do I want to create for them? And, and when I'm doing that and I'm not getting like caught up in the struggle with these, these thoughts and feelings that I'm having, um, I find that my life in general is, is more meaningful. Um, and mm. so I think if, if we can help people in, in the, this kind of uh, in-between space um, develop that skill of kind of holding um, their own beliefs lightly yeah. and really directing their attention towards what matters, um, you know, I, I would hope um, that that equals more meaningful life. And I think it equals more empathy towards others as well, because we can, even though I've come to some you know, provisional conclusions in my life about whether there's a God or not. Like I don't wrestle with, I feel like I've answered that question to my satisfaction for the moment. Um, I still like, I'm going to be talking to Sean McDowell this weekend about it. So I obviously I'm still engaged in that conversation and people still want to talk about it. And as a, you know, former theologian and academic, I, I still enjoy that for its own sake. Um, but I'm, I'm much more interested in, 
um, as I started off this journey talking about liminal space and how, you know, because we're, none of us are ever going to solve all of life's questions all at once. And um, so we have to continue living in the meanwhile. Right. You know, we have to continue raising our kids. We have to continue engaging in relationships of whatever type, sure. working, uh, getting along with our bosses and our employees, uh, you know, accomplishing productive work in the world and paying our bills and enjoying beauty and art right. and all the rest. I mean, all those things are still what it fundamentally is a part of being human. Um, and so I, I really appreciate this approach. And I think, you know, as we start to put a, a finer point on some of these uh, sort of philosophical issues about the way we want to approach this coaching um, and then bring on board a few coaches that we've been um, talking with and then, you know, roll out a structure for that. I'm really excited that, you know, more people could have access to um, the support that they desire uh, in working through and, and everybody's going to need a little something different. And we're going to try to have a range of, of coaches that specialize in various areas, different, you know, obviously both genders or multi, you know, other um, non-gender specific uh, individuals that can address various uh, iterations of what it's like to deconvert sure. because everyone's deconversion process is layered with other sociological, personal issues that they face. And it's it's never just about, uh, theology or religion. And so I'm really excited about building out a team of coaches that can be in a supportive relationship with each other and then offering a variety of approaches and, and, and aspects or, or perspectives on right. this, this process of clarifying values and moving toward what means the most to us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about, about that as well. Um, there's just, like I said so many times already, there's so much potential there and, um, yeah, just really excited about what that's going to look like for, for life after God. Yeah. If you guys have, um, you know, thoughts and I, I know I've said this before and, and, uh, you may not always hear directly back from me, but I am saving all of your, your input. Uh, and we're sort of looking through a lot of that actually, as we build this. But if, if you have this thing that's in your head right now, as you're listening to this, like, oh my gosh, I wish that this coaching thing or the thing that life after God would do next is this that's been on my mind. You know, we'd love to, to hear about that because we, we want this to be meaningful to to everyone as much as many people as possible and uh yeah 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 i was going to say there there's already been a lot of um input from the community the life after god community um r r around this question of like what would you like life after god to be about right and um there's a lot on the table and just a lot of really great um exciting um ideas and you know this whole idea of community building for instance is is also uh, a huge need and so we're looking at ways of of doing more than just the um the private facebook group um, but finding other other ways to support community because th this can be a challenge, um, maybe even like a mentoring system or, um, yeah, just lots lots of different uh, ways of building community, um, and then also focusing on on specific challenges that people are having. You know, it might be the the marital challenges that that often go along with uh, deconversion, um, raising your children, um, what that looks like, and so we want to provide. Um, different venues of support uh, for those individual issues as well. Yeah, and other resources. I mean, the, one of the things we've been talking about this weekend is how we can provide sort of tiered levels of resources, some that are just available for free online that we can just provide for people um, and others that will involve a bit more investment of time and energy and money. Sure. Um, but things that you could read or things that you could watch or things that you could, like the podcast, listen to. Um, and then a, like small group, engagements that you just mentioned right. and then the larger group engagement like we have in our private Facebook group and then one-on-one -on -one engagement that we're sure. building with the coaching. So I think there's all these different iterations and configurations of, of ways that we can support one another. And, and to be clear, like, and I think I touched on this a moment ago, me being here at the cabin is like supportive for me, right. even though like I started life after God and this is a vision that I've had and a passion for me doesn't mean at all that I'm fixed or healthy all the way through sure, and, and, yeah. and not in need of still figuring things out or, or in need of the support and friendship um, that, I, you know, I lost a lot of friends through this process okay. and I've felt lonely. I've felt depressed. I've felt anxious and being here away from the big city with, with friends that care about me and just to laugh and eat good food yeah. and drink beer. And just, I feel like healed yeah. In some way, you know, so this is for all of us. It's not just for like you and I trying to help the poor masses. Like we're also being enriched. Yeah, I think I, for sure deeply by this. And what's been interesting about our, our, our friendship as it's developed online initially um, is that 
you know, a lot of times we think social media and online friendships can't be, you know, genuine or authentic. And, and I think, I think often they're not, um, but I think they can be um, mm. more than, more than we, more than we realize. And I think, you know, some of that is, is kind of letting our guard down a bit and, you know, letting people see kind of what we're struggling with and what we're going through. And so I, I think, um, you know, while the in-person contact is really vital and, and important, yeah. um, we can make a lot of progress, you know, um, via the online medium as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really excited about all the different ways that we're going to uh, reach out to people and support them. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's it's been um, fun brainstorming about that. And um, I wanted to also bring up this other thing because given that it's this anniversary that sort of snuck up on me and, and coincided with this wonderful little retreat, we've had a chance to reflect back on some of the highlights of the past year as well, um, which have been, I guess, dominated by the podcast. We did have the launch party back in November, which was a blast. And, um, and I'm grateful for the people, mostly people that were local, although we had, you know, Devin came down from Ohio and a few people came from the surrounding area. And, and that was a really fun in-person event. But for the most part, this past year has been defined by the online engagements that you were talking about, both the podcast and the Facebook page, people being able to share their stories, one line reactions to other people's stories. And also so one person's story told over maybe the course of an hour yeah. can elicit uh, shorter narratives from other people about what they're going through or just the yeah, me too kind of right. thing, you know, which is super powerful. Um, and so we've been looking back over, um, I don't, I don't know where you want to go next with this, but I, I was thinking, you know, we've been looking back over the, the podcast and it's always interesting to see which podcasts are listened to the most right. because they're all important to me. And like I said, at the top of the show, like, I think I say every day, every week, I think I say, this is going to be a great conversation. I've got the most amazing conversation for you this week. And, and, and they're all amazing. And they really are. even the one, you know, that's some of them that are toward the bottom of the, of the sort of number of listens um, are still really uh, precious to me. And I think some of the lesser known people don't get as many clicks and listens right. because nobody knows who they are. And I just, you know, privately, I just, I'm like, gosh, I wish more people would listen to that show yeah, because exactly. that guy was, that lady was just amazing. But as we look at these top 10 the sequence of these shows uh, in their uh, order of most listened to uh, has changed over the last six months. Sure. And uh, it's been interesting to see. Uh, and I thought we would just maybe chat through a few of them. Sure. Um, we introduced, so, so basically it started off, the show started off being interviews with authors, speakers, well-known activists, you know, people with some profile. In part because I wanted there to be a hook for people to listen. I wanted right. people to go, oh, that's a conversation with Bart Campolo. I've heard yeah, of him. Sure. Or Bart Ehrman. I've read his book. I'd like to listen to that show. But the more I got into that, and as much as I dig that so much, you know, being able to chat with someone who I've admired for years, um, I just was exposed again and again to these little stories of unknown people, both through our private Facebook group and just my personal encounters with people. And I thought we need to tell more of these little stories. And you were nudging right. me that way too. Sure. You were saying, we got to tell more we of these little stories. stories. Yeah. And, uh, and so we introduced a few months ago, this X-Files concept. So some of our shows are just straight life after God podcast. Some of them are X-Files. And to my delight, the number one show that's most listened to so far is one of the X-Files. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I really, I was kind of surprised and, and but super excited about that to see that um, a really moving story of, of kind of navigating a cult and, and escaping from a cult. Um, the, that's the number one, number one podcast episode. And you know, yeah. there's some other big names on the top 10 list um, that yeah. are super exciting as well. But, but I think, this this ability to tell a story and to um you know sometimes we just i think john delin had mentioned we we kind of suffer in silence yep. until we can tell our story and and so um i i love listening to the authors and the, the scholars and the people who who um who have spent a lot of time researching and, and studying uh but people's you know stories about their experience is just just so powerful as well yeah and rachel i mean rachel really epitomizes that ability of a person to just be vulnerable yeah and it took her i mean she didn't just wake up one day and find this vulnerability just under her pillow or something like she cultivated it over a long period of time yeah. developing slowly the courage to be able to tell her truth and um and i think that's one of the main reasons i mean what it's it's an interesting medium audio, you know, because you can't see people's facial expressions, you can't see um, their their face or anything about their body language, but this authenticity comes through. It was it was amazing. I that episode I listened to it when it first came out, um, 
and it just stuck with me. I mean, that there was there were moments in that um, episode that I was just like just tearing up, right, and right. just really deeply moved, and just like her vulnerability and her commitment, um, just it was just incredible, really, really powerful, powerful, powerful stories for sure. And that story is still unfolding. I want to mention. Um, I happened to to go online the other day and just once I saw that it peaked out at number one. Uh, with over 6,000 people have listened to it, um, I thought, you know, I wonder, you know, what's going on. Because we ha- I mentioned a few episodes ago that, that there was this reaction from Eva's Eden. Right. And um, I don't want to go too de- deep down this rabbit hole, but um, in recent days, and I don't know how recently, they've taken down their website. Yeah. They've taken down their Facebook page. So I don't know what's happening, but uh, Eva's Eden is kind of uh, c- covering their tracks a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting to, to see the response, and they they wrote a fairly lengthy, um, I don't, it wasn't a rebuttal, but just like <laughs> we're being persecuted by um, by people who are telling their stories, and it was really interesting to see that kind of that reaction that they had, and then and now to see kind of the, the silence, and I'm not sure um, what the organization is doing on the ground, but they've their their web presence has, has disappeared. Disappeared. And, and that's, that's very very interesting to see that happening. So there's not only a power in this kind of authentic storytelling to really communicate with other people, but there's also a power for a kind of justice in truth telling and storytelling too. Absolutely. Like there's change change is happening, and we don't know where that change is going to go yet, um, but it's something's happening, and and uh, that's just the you know truth getting out there. It's that, that shining a light. Yeah, you know? it yeah, really that's a good is. way to put it. Yeah. The um and then, sort sort of um fairly fairly quickly, our two rock star former Mormons <laughs> also sort of ran to the right, top of the for list. Sure. Um, for a long time, John DeLynn's show was, uh, his conversation with me was the number one uh, most listened to. It's now number three, um, and he has a huge audience. I mean, right. my you know this podcast is tiny compared to uh, John. Yeah, yeah, Mormon stories. Sure. I mean, it's if you go to iTunes and you go to religion. Um, sections, you know, his show is always on the leaderboard for right. iTunes. You know, I don't know how many tens of thousands of listens he gets, but it's a lot more than Life After God. So he, you know, uh, has a wide audience, and that really helped his story get out there. And it was through John that I learned about Jeremy Runnels, right? And his show is number two right now, with you know pushing pushing six thousand listens uh, it's, uh, itself. And you know, Jeremy, this this really courageous man who. Uh, stood up to the church when it was being really unfair to him. Right, has been, I think, for me, one of the most inspiring, courageous stories I've heard as well. Yeah, definitely. That's that's an incredibly moving story, and and I really enjoy how he was at just at the verge of being excommunicated um, from the Mormon Church, and in that meeting where the likely verdict would have been to ask, uh, I don't know, ask him to resign or to excommunicate him, um, you know, officially. He he stood up and walked out and said, "I'm excommunicating the church," hmm. and, and I just really love the way he took that power back for himself, and in the way that's um, an inspiring story for for a lot of individuals who are kind of in this this space where they're feeling a lot of pressure from from the religious um, uh, communities, and and to, to realize that that you have the power to stand up and say, you know, I'm I'm not allowing you to have this power in my life anymore, and I'm going to live the life that I want to live. Just, just in, incredibly inspiring, um, mm. and we can, you can look at his work um, online as well. There's links to to his page on on our website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just and he also does this with this gentleness, you know, that is so inspiring as well. Yeah. You know, there's not this kind of venom coming through his voice, you know, and rage. Although I think anger and rage would be perfectly appropriate emotions Absolutely. in response sure. to what happened to him. He's able to communicate with compassion, which I think is a a really a uh, accomplishment and then let's see number four is uh one greta vosper which is our second show her her show has really held in there um and i really need to check in with her i know that her case um where the united church of canada was really trying to excommunicate her Mm -hmm. or possibly remove her credentials uh and, and take her pulpit away um you know had reached a kind of a a peak point about a month or two ago so um, I tried to reach out to her the other day and I, I know she's super busy, sure. you know, sort of dealing with all of the fallout from that, but that that's, you know, the second, uh, the, really the first interview and my, the first show is still on the leaderboard too, um, which was just me sort of introducing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but Greta's the first actual interview I did right. and it's still number four. Yeah. It's amazing. Bart Ehrman comes in at number five, um, well-known, uh, new Testament Jesus scholar, 
um, who started off as an evangelical uh, believer and uh, it now thinks of himself as an agnostic. But the more we talked, the more it was clear that he was an agnostic atheist, right. you know, and, and really put a nice kind of definition that we're, some of us are familiar with around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, it was one of those really fun sort of nerdy right, sure. moments yeah. for me. Have you read his stuff? I haven't read a lot of his work. You know, it's interesting in my own de- deconversion experience, um, there came a point where like those kinds of questions um, were no longer interesting to me, you know, and, right. and, and I think, you know, people reach that stage at different points. And, and sometimes, you know, people are just really interested in the New Testament scholarship or, right. you know, the biblical studies and, and they want to keep digging there. Uh, for me, um, I've kind of lost interest in, in some of those questions, um, not because they're not important to some people, but for me, um, you know, I'm focused on living a life that's important to me and, and those questions no longer resonate as much. Yeah. Zeke, you know, who, uh, is, is, uh, also in, on our podcast, episode 34 is one of those guys, you mm-hmm. know, who, um, grew up pretty much secular in his life and, but has this really deep interest in biblical studies. Right, whatever. absolutely. Even more than me at this point in right. my life, you know, it's kind of a, a, an interesting phenomenon. It's, he's fascinating to talk to, um, really knows his stuff when it comes yeah. to New Testament scholarship and um, kind of the opposite trajectory from, from, right. from you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the introduction that I mentioned, you know, is still, uh, I think number six, three, four, five, six. And then, uh, give me sex. Jesus is another one that, um, is from the first year, from the first half of, of, the, of the year in September, I spoke to uh, Brittany Machado and Matt Barber um, about their film, Give Me Sex Jesus. And that, that was on our, that was the number one most listened to show at the end of the calendar year. Yes. Um, and that video, uh, their film, their feature length film is still available for free on Vimeo. Right. And it's linked in the show notes if you want to go check it and out. It's worth watching too. I really enjoyed um, what they did in the film just kind of interviewing individuals and, and talking about their experience. Um, it was just really fascinating to, to kind of um, learn about how, um, how religion often handles sex in ways that aren't so healthy and kind of how people experience that as they, as they come out of religion or even as they stay in religion, like how the impact that that, that has in their own personal lives. And so, um, yeah, super fascinating film that they produced and a really interesting podcast as well. And they've toured around. I mean, they've uh, presented the film, to um, the uh, the atheist group, some friends of mine who run the atheist group in Riverside, California, mm-hmm. and and they've gone around to some of the other groups. They've been interviewed by Hemant Mehta, and so sure, yeah. the film's kind of made an, an impact within the uh, secular and atheist community as well. Um, and then number uh, number eight is Bart Campolo, who's become a, a really good friend of mine, has his own podcast. And is doing some of similar type of sure, work. Yeah, humanize me. Yeah, it's definitely worth worth um, adding that podcast to your list for sure. And uh, he's a lifelong minister, though he was never really a, a pulpit preacher. You know, over a church, he was always doing youth ministry, um, urban ministry with youth, sure. and and really living authentically and incarnationally, as we would say, right. among uh, urban communities, and still doing that today. Like, still basically same trajectory. You know, working yeah. with college students. Yeah, and his focus on humanism is just um, so refreshing, you know, um, his kind of positive approach to uh, some of the, the questions that people are struggling with as they deconvert, um, you know, that, that humanist uh, flavor that he brings to that mm. is, is just really refreshing, I find. Yeah, and people really are drawn to him. And he's starting now in Los Angeles to do these Sunday um, picnics. Mm. So basically, like, whoever wants to get together and just have food together and talk, very reminiscent of how he started his work in Cincinnati. Okay. And community in Cincinnati where he was basically like, well, let's just get to know each other. Let's, um, you know, have food together and hang out and, and talk and see what, you know, again, to use your language, like see what's important to us, sure. like see what, yeah. where this goes, you know, without a, a big roadmap, um, which is so characteristic of religions, you know, religions often have like this plan for your life, you know, right. and you have to sort of get on the train and the train will take you to a certain destination. Whereas what Bart's trying to do and what, what I really resonates with me about his work is that it's, it's very human focused, which you would right, expect. Hum, sure. You know, humanism is basically let's get the humans together and see what they want to do, right. you know, and see where this goes. And if it's just us supporting each other and having lunch once a week or as often as we can get there, then that's great. Sure. The world yeah. could use more of that. Absolutely. 
Um, and then uh, David Hayward is another one from very, very early on, episode three. So number two with Greta and number three with David, uh, both hanging in a, in the top 10. And, and David is uh, someone I also need to catch up with. We chat online from time to time, but is running um, a an online community similar to Life After God, uh, the, the Lasting Supper, hmm. where he has um, an online um, fellowship of people who are um, some believers in a progressive way, some agnostics, some atheists, I assume, who find courage and strength in, in getting to know each other sure. online. And he has this great, great uh, Instagram feed where he posts his cartoons and his artwork. And he has an, uh, an Etsy page where he sells his artwork, really beautiful, like um, evocative type of stuff and also funny cartoons. So if you haven't yeah. found David's Instagram page, uh, or or feed and also his Facebook. You should definitely check that out. He's he's and, doing awesome. And that's the Naked Pastor. Is that... The Naked Pastor. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, some really interesting. Yeah, definitely very evocative <laughs> um, artwork that he's doing. That actually will kind of make you stop and think. Really, so, yeah. really true. Yeah. yeah. And then rounding out the top ten, my good friend Cass Midgley, and I'm just so uh, thrilled that he's in this top ten list this time. Um, Cass has a, a podcast called Everyone's Agnostic, and uh, I've been on his show, and now he's been on mine, and um, we share a lot of really uh, wonderful mutual friends. And uh, if you haven't picked up um, his show on your podcast uh, feeder, um, definitely check out Everyone's Agnostic. He's um, always got really interesting stories. Yeah, for sure. What else? What are other... I mean, that's the top 10, but what other um, interesting shows um, hit you from this last little while that maybe people yeah, should check know, out that they haven't? Yeah, for, for me personally, and um, I really enjoy... Um, Laron Schultz work. Oh yeah. Um, definitely. Um, just the way he's, you know, how gods are born and, and, and we humans have born them. We kind of nurture our gods. Yes. Um, it's such a great way of thinking about that as opposed to God is dead. And so I, I find that, um, kind of from a sociological standpoint, a really interesting uh, way of, of thinking, because I, I would like for for us, as we deconvert, or or even as we stay in religion, to to at least acknowledge, like, well, where where does it come from? Like, what what gives rise to these beliefs that we that we hold? And and once we start to see that, we can find we can still find the pieces of, of religion that that's valuable and how it's functioned for us in in useful ways throughout our evolution. Mm. And, and and so I think it's interesting to to, to explore that. And, and Laurent Schultz really does a, a really great job of, of doing that. Um, yeah, there are two episodes. I mean, he's maybe the only one that's been on the show twice. I think he is the only one that's been on the Uh show twice. Episode 11, um, he was the first one where he came on and really talked about his um, how gods are born concept. And then again, in episode 20, he came back and talked a little bit about climate change and the way that um, religious communities uh, create um, resistance to this type of change. Right, yeah. I think it, it's in some ways religion is creating a context in which um, we can deny um, climate change or a context in which it, it's no longer as important um, to us humans. And and I think he does a really great job of, of exploring that. Yeah. yeah. I think that my personal favorite right now out of 44 episodes... That's hard. You're I picking, know. You're picking your favorite child. <laughs> yeah, it's not that though. It's not my favorite guest. It's really... The, mo- the the fun that I had just like in this moment, and partly it had to do with the fact that it was live. Yeah. And so there was like a certain kind of like nervous energy sure. in yeah. me about like managing all the, you know, moving parts and making sure that it didn't sound stupid. Um, but I think, you know, have, getting a chance to sit down with Kester Bruin mm. a few weeks ago, episode 43. Such a brilliant episode. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's someone that has been around the, the emergent community for as long as I've been around the, the emergent community with Brian McLaren and... Um, some of the other, I uh, think Doug Paget and other thinkers and, and movers around this concept of like evangelicals who have said, okay, the church feels like this really constrictive space. We need new ways of being Christian, right? right? And Brian was one of the early ones who said, you know, there's a new way to be a different way to be Christian. And uh, Kester was a part of that conversation as well, mm. you know, all along, but in the UK where I didn't get to ever get to meet oh, him. Sure. And so he's, you know, and it's interesting to see over the 20 years or so of that development, how different uh, individuals have um, progressed down that path. So, you know, Brian is still a Christian, but really not, not, not in church ministry anymore Mm -hmm. and writing a lot of books about, you know, uh, combating climate change and inequality and uh, racism and sexism and all the rest. So he really has taken his Christianity and turned it towards um, you know, making the world a healthier place for more people. Um, 
and you know others are still church pastors and and really trying to navigate that space still kester has really moved past theism yeah um and and is a challenge then coming back and talking to and Laurent is one of those too. Laurent mm-hmm. was a part of this emergent conversation as well all along the way and has moved past it. Right. Um, Peter Rollins is someone that I really am eager to have. He's been on my list and, and I maybe have delayed in having him on because he's local to me and I can probably track him down pretty easily. Sure. So I've been like, okay, he's kind of in there. I can grab him uh, whenever I need to. Apologies to make you sound uh, overly accessible, uh, Peter. I, I doubt you listen to the show anyway, but <laughs> that would be super cool if you did. Yeah. Um, but I want to have Peter on the show too, because Peter Rollins has been good friends with Kester and and that's a really um, dynamic and not always uncontroversial conversation mm. about you know where, where Kester is at and where Peter's at. You know, Peter still kind of holds on to a kind of uh, theological atheism in, in which he tries to kind of straddle both worlds. Right. Yeah, I found that that um, episode really fascinating, and, and I'm really excited to read uh, Kester's book. Uh, you know, this it really resonates with me, this kind of avoidance that we humans really struggle with, and, yeah. and this kind of getting high or escaping. And, and, you know, the church will look at people who are using drugs and say, oh, look, they're just escaping reality. And, and we can look at um, mm. the church and see how, how there's, there's pieces that are, are also avoided in similar ways. And, and I think, I think it's, it's just a universal human you know, challenge. It's hard to beat with suffering. It's hard to be with the uh, just the discomfort of of being human at times and we we're looking for ways to avoid that or escape that or get high from that and and I think it's it's fascinating to um to be aware of that process as it's happening and, and find ways to be more connected more grounded and uh, so yeah his work um as you've shared with me um you know as you've read his book uh, what you're finding in there is just super fascinating stuff and i'm really excited to to dig deep into that yeah i i find that he does i think so well what what poets and fiction writers do which mm-hmm. is to weave together strands of story that you would never have connected right so it's like so kester has like the beatles the history of lsd the history of flight like yeah, actual, actual flight, flight yeah. religion um and technology and and the future direction towards AI and he weaves all those like concepts together right. into a rope and and the rope says like this is a way our ways that we try to escape, escape yeah. our limitations as humans and and it's interesting because I, one of the things I often do and this goes I think back to mindfulness and therapy mm-hmm. that we were talking sure. about a minute ago is I'll look at my dog and I'll think I just want to be my dog for a day. Right. And what I really mean is, like, I like being a human, obviously. But what I love about my dog is he just seems so unconcerned about yeah. the basic, like, he gets fed, we pet him. He does seem a little anxious at times if I um, walk fast towards him and he's concerned right. I might step yeah. on him. And he's like, is, is he mad at me? Sure. You know, but like, that, that often comes and goes pretty quickly for pretty a dog. Quickly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dog's like, oh, jump on his lap now. Yeah, you know, sure. like, I'm, I'm afraid of him a little bit, but... I'm also really eager to jump on his lap. Right. And, um, and, and I think that the minute that we became as human beings aware of ourselves mm-hmm. and language developed, language yeah, developed, absolutely. and we start to place words around our feelings and we start to become uh, sort of worried about mm-hmm. future and past. We you can know? live in multiple places at the same time. Right. right? Yeah. And I think yeah. That, that certainly is a challenge. Yeah. So this kind of, the, my dog doesn't need mindfulness. I mean, he lives in this present. Right, all the time, by necessity, by evolutionary like yeah. process, that's just where he's at. For us, you know, we have this wonderful ability to transcend the present moment and imagine the future mm-hmm. and reflect upon the past. But then the downside of that is that we get caught in those webs of of cycles of thinking. Yeah, and and I think you know this what we're trying to to do, just as healthy human beings, I hope is, um, really become more grounded. Right. You know, I have a friend who. Um, we sometimes talk about dogs or animals like it would be great to be a dog um, like you just mentioned and 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 he had a, a really great response he said you know I, I think maybe humans have different challenges than dogs you know we have maybe different things that we need to do in the world um, yeah. than dogs and so um, I really like the idea of of cultivating that ability to be present in that present moment and be mindful and then also um, cultivating the ability to like do the problem solving stuff that our brain is super good at that language allows us to predict what might happen in the future Hmm. and, and then to plan accordingly. Um, and, and so, yeah, there, it's kind of this, this, our our brain, um, is is both both a blessing and a curse, I guess, to use kind of spiritual language. Um, 
yeah, it, it's fascinating too. Um, but if we can cultivate that ability to to be in the moment um, when when that's helpful, when that's useful. Again, coming back to the, um, I'm more concerned about what's actually um, practical or what's actually useful, what what actually functions well for us. And and there are times when just being super anxious about something and and replaying um, past events over and over in your mind is just isn't useful <laughs> right. and so right. that's the moment where being more like the dog is important um and we can find ways to do that um yeah and- it's remarkably difficult to shift gears and i think that's mm-hmm. what what i hear you saying is there are times to be in future planning mode there are times to be in past reflection mode and there are times we need to be in present mode and what's challenging is how do we if you find yourself ruminating on the past in a way that becomes destructive how do you switch out of that right you know, if I'm living in fear of my past, like sort of religious life hanging over my head and these echoes of preachers telling me that I was a horrible, evil, awful person. But I, you know, intellectually up here in my head, I know that I'm not a horrible, evil, right. awful person, but my heart, so to speak, my sure. gut is telling me that I am like, how do I, you know, we fancy ourselves really smart, like advanced humans, sure. right? But yeah. it's surprisingly <laughs> difficult to actually yeah. negotiate that conversation in your head and say, okay, that's just something my brain's telling me from mm-hmm. my past. And I'm not equal to those thoughts. I'm not the same as those thoughts. I'm, uh, those are things that are happening in my brain. Right. And I can choose to, within a certain range mm-hmm. of possibilities to think about my thinking in a way that allows me to move on to some other thought. Right. Right. Yeah. I think we get caught up in this idea that we can, um, outthink ourselves or that we can, you know, think ourselves out of a problem that is kind of resulting from thinking. And, and, you know, some people might disagree with, with me here, but, um, you know, sometimes trying not to be anxious will produce more anxiety. So detaching from that, that process, you know, trying not to think ourselves out of that problem, but just, you know, not getting so, not holding those thoughts so, so tightly, not believing them so much, um, kind of stepping away from them. And that's a skill that can be incredibly useful if we find that being present in, in, in our life um, is more valuable to us. If that's more valuable to us, we can find skills to do that. Um, that doesn't require us to solve it or fix it, um, you know, with our mental capacities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And I, I really hope that um, when these coaching um, resources are available, that you will um, avail yourselves of them and refer your friends because I think it's it's like any kind of therapy. Like I think we think of going or any kind of help. Like if I think of going to the doctor when I feel this pain that shouldn't be there. Sure. Right. Like I've got this like abdominal pain that just doesn't feel like that's about what should be happening. So you know I go to the doctor instead of taking the advice of you know my my good friend to say you should go get a checkup on a regular basis. Like you should go to the doctor once a year and make sure you're healthy. We yeah. wait until the pain is there, and then you know we're too busy or we're like you know too proud or sure. or something to avail ourselves of that. Or we're not dying, so we're like it'll be fine. Sure, you know. And so you don't have to be in like abject crisis right. to seek out a little support, Absolutely. you know, for your life. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, um, something I hope that we can work to, uh, to mitigate a little bit. Yeah, sure. To have some, that, re- that, you know, re- resilience built in there, um, to do things that are, that are helpful um, and healthy for you as an individual. Um, even when you're not in, in some crisis moment for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to, as we run out of time here, I want to mention a few, um, uh, podcast episodes that are upcoming. Um, and it doesn't really, really, uh, do me any good to tell you about um, the upcoming X-Files episodes because by definition, they're people that you probably have never heard of. But uh, some people from our community are going to be sharing their stories, um, stories of challenge and stories of overcoming and um, usually both in the same in the same story, which is what makes them really inspiring. Um, and we have a couple of other authors coming up. Uh, Mike McCargway that many of you may know as Science Mike, a former evangelical uh, who was an atheist for a while and now tells us that in his new book that he found God again. So that's an interesting uh, turn of events. And uh, his book is called Finding God in the Waves. I think I got that right. Anyway, I'm reading his book right now, and he's going to be on the show. I've had a chance to meet him once, and he's a really swell guy, and looking forward to interviewing him. Uh, Tom Krattenmaker also has a new book forthcoming uh, that's called uh, confessions of a secular Jesus follower. The subtitle is finding answers in Jesus for those who don't believe. 
Wow. And I have not yet. I just the book just arrived in my mail the other day. Haven't had a chance to pick it up yet. And already, like my, I'm in my head. I'm fighting with him a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those. Like I'm like, ah, I don't know. So I'm really, but I really am anxious, anxious to hear what he has to say. Um, he was one of the founders of the Yale uh, Humanist um, group um, that uh, is now um, it's ongoing still mm-hmm. at Yale. Uh, uh, so a super, a super great guy. He's still part of the Yale community, as far as I know. And that's going to be a great conversation. Looking forward to getting Neil Carter on the show. We've been um, uh, going back and forth about scheduling and stuff. He's just started a new job as a teacher. So his school year just started. He's been a little bit busy. Um, We have uh, I've got a commitment from a very well-known megachurch pastor, perhaps the pastor of the largest church in America uh, that I've been corresponding with. Um, I don't want to say more than that yet. Oh, wow. But, uh, <laughs> the suspense he, will build. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's been, uh, you know, interested in the show for reasons that we will ask him about. Perfect. Um, so uh, I'm excited about that. A friend of mine, a fairly new friend of mine who's a cancer uh, survivor um, and, a, and a, comes from a Jewish background, uh, I've invited her to come and tell if that'll be one of the X-Files stories. So a lot of really cool stuff coming up and a long list I'm sort of scanning through right now of um, uh, future future conversations. I mentioned Peter Rollins and um, there's a few others that I that I have uh, on the on the back burner. So I'm really excited yeah. about, you know, what's upcoming. And if you all have suggestions, I know many of you take it upon yourselves to email me suggestions anyway, um, whether I ask for them or not. Um, but uh, it's... Um, I love to hear those because we want to, you know, bring, bring conversations to you that you find interesting. So thanks for celebrating our one year anniversary with us. Um, thanks Brian for, uh, hosting this anniversary party. Thanks for the work you do, Ryan. I I hope as, uh, you listeners out there will, will maybe just take a moment to to send a private message to Ryan or, or, to you know, go follow the, the Facebook page and, I think there's a, I posted a meme this morning about celebrating life after God, kind of the the one year anniversary. It'd be really great to hear from you guys. Um, And also I know it does matter when people rate the podcast on uh, different platforms like iTunes and and, and Spreaker. It'd be really, really um, great if you guys would uh, take them just a minute and go on there. You can just rate it with the, you know, five stars, of course. Um, (laughs) You can leave a comment if you choose to, um, but that would, would really help out the podcast as well. You can rate the Facebook page as well. Yeah. Um, we got a one star rating, the first one star rating the other day. So that's you can true. check that out. Check that out as well. Yeah, you know we don't. You know we don't get. We wouldn't delete them even if we could. But sure, yeah. but those are you know people have different opinions and um, so. But yeah, if you like what we're doing, it really helps us get the message out when you just do those very inexpensive, yay, free yeah. uh, things um, to to help support the show. If you want to learn more about life after God, you can go to our website at lifeaftergod.org. Our Facebook page is super easy to find. You just search Life After God. And our Twitter handle is Our Life After God, O-U-R, Life After God. And uh, we'd love to have you follow us on those platforms. You know, I would be remiss if I ended uh, this one-year anniversary episode if I didn't thank um, the the some 86 uh, Patreon Mm -hmm. supporters. Sure. And there's more than 86, actually, because some have had changes in their lives and they've had to drop their support. Um, so there's probably closer to 100 uh, people who have, or more even, that have supported the podcast financially through the last year. And, um, you know, any amount is so helpful. And beyond even just the financial support, which does allow me to be able to do this, it's it's such a tangible uh, show of, of support. Um, some people give $1, honestly. Yeah. You know, some give five dollars, um, you know, which is about the cost of a latte these days. You know, it's it's not much, uh, but it adds up and sure. it, it really does. It communicates uh, to to us that put this all together, you know, that you're with us on this team. Otherwise, we would just, you know, stop doing it. You know, it's not there's no point in doing something that that's not useful to other people. And and we do hear so many. There was a lovely comment on the Facebook page today. People do reach out and it lest you think that those things go unnoticed um we're really grateful uh for that support so and if you have a you know a correction for us or a um you know i got a, a message from someone not too long ago saying you know when you say certain things on the show kind of makes me feel a little alienated etc cetera, etc cetera. and and I, that's really helpful advice yeah, too yeah it's useful feedback for yeah sure. yeah so constructive uh, criticism is also very welcome sometimes you know I played some outro music heavily over uh, Marsha Wickham's show the other, you know, a few weeks ago, and it was really hard to hear. And I'm sorry for that. And um, uh, you know, 
but so even technical advice sure, is, yeah. is sometimes sometimes helpful. But uh, yeah, check out our social media. Check out our um, our website. Um, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Our newsletter, our email newsletter, has been a little bit dormant. But one of the things that we've been chatting about here uh, this weekend is uh, resurrecting that and using it more effectively. And so, uh, if you haven't yet signed up for the email newsletter, uh, you can do that on the website. It will probably prompt you the moment that you go to lifeaftergod.org. Any last thoughts? I'm just super excited for the the new year and uh, celebrating with you next year and, and looking back at all the success that we're going to have with the the coaching program. And um, yeah, just super excited. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have your company uh, during this hour or so. Um, please stay tuned next week for our next show. Until then, my name is Ryan Bell, and this has been Life After God. smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. 